Okay, so confidence in God. So what is confidence and what does it mean? Well, if you Google the word confidence, um, it comes back with, it is a belief in oneself and one's power or abilities. Self-confidence, self-reliance and self-assurance. And as soon as I read that, that word self-reliance, um, it just concerned me because the world wants us to trust no one and to be totally self-reliant. Um, and especially if you've been hurt by people in the past or, or you've come through pain and people have really created scars and stuff, you, you, you end up closing up and you become just your own person. You don't speak to anybody about your troubles. You, you just try and handle them yourself. And it's scary because once the enemy gets you on your own, um, he can do proper, proper damage. If he gets you on your own with your own mind and he puts you through a couple of hard trials and tribulations, he can really, really cause you to think negatively and, and, and become very down about life. Um, and if you even Google, I looked up some of the self-reliance quotes on Google just, just to see what the world would offer us, see what the world would say. And this lovely woman called Patricia, I love that name Patricia, um, once wrote, self-reliance is the only road to true freedom. And being one's own person is its ultimate reward. Another person which is unknown, the best place to find a helping hand is at the end of your own arm. Another person wrote, nobody can bring you peace but yourself. And you just see, once you start Googling those things, how twisted the world has made you know, us believe that, that we can only rely on ourselves. There's no one else we can rely on and there isn't even a God. God doesn't exist. Um, and just a story which is quite interesting. Uh, I had ran in electrical cables underneath the floorboards. You'd probably get this, Scott. Other people, Sean didn't get this at all. Sean was going, what is the big deal? Like, but um, I'd ran in electrical cables from one end of the garage when all the floors were lifted up upstairs and had prepared lights or a cable for lighting outside the far end of the house and had all my lights there, had uh, everything ready to go and I went to wire it up on Friday evening and turned it on and the trip went, as soon as I turned it on the trip went and I thought, oh no, what has happened? What have I done? And I thought, oh Daniel, you idiot, you've, you've wrecked something, you put a screw through a cable or something when you're screwing the floor back down and the carpet's down, the skirting board's on and I'm never going to get at that again, I've re really wrecked the whole system. And I went round and the enemy started hammering me going, you're useless, you've basically trained as an electrician and as an apprenticeship, or through an apprenticeship scheme. And you've really wasted that, like you've really wasted about 60 pounds worth of cable and you're not even gonna have lights at the back. You are useless. Um, and then I stopped and I thought, you know what? I'm relying on my own, my own belief. I'm relying on my own abilities. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm confident on what I can do and on what I can achieve rather than thinking of God. And it doesn't matter about the wiring. If there's no lights out, out the back of the house, Shani was going, Danny, you're making a big deal of nothing. She wants to go into Belfast and go rug shopping in home sense and TK Maxx and I was going, I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I want to get this fixed. But anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't a wine issue, thankfully. Um, but yeah, this got me thinking that we put too much emphasis on how we perform, <clears throat> on how good we are at something, how much we have acquired or how important we look. I just wondered how many of us would be confident in coming out to, to church this morning in, with our pajamas on or no hair gel or no makeup on and letting us see each other in reality in the real life. I wonder how comfortable we would be. But the world teaches us to put way too much importance in ourselves and relying on how we look and how we feel and how we compare. We're always comparing ourselves. No matter if you look on Facebook or Instagram, you mightn't think you're doing it, but you're constantly comparing yourself against other people's lives and what they have and what you don't have. Um, and it's, a, it's just a, 
it's a dodgy road to go. But the Bible very much teaches a different approach in this case, thankfully. Um, I'm going to look up Proverbs 28, 26. Follow me here. And I do not apologize for using loads and loads of verses because it's less of me and more of God. So we'll be reading right, a right bit from the scripture this morning, if that's okay. Um, so Proverbs 28, 26, if you want to go to it. That's good, Stefan. That gives me a time so I can try and keep an eye on things. I was concerned this would take way too long. But yeah, 26 says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Um, and then it says, But trusting in man, if you go to Psalm 146, verse 3. <clears throat> So it says here, I'll just start from, from verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing to, praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. So it clearly states that we're not to trust ourselves um, and we're not to trust man. Um, and I know there's a verse there, I'll come to it later on, about Jesus not, not trusting men either um, because he just, he just knows our hearts and knows that we're going to let him down, let each other down. Um, so Proverbs 3 verse 5, it must be a, a, a favourite verse of mine, guys, throughout my whole life. It's been something I've always related to, always followed, always read in times of, of trials and times of, of struggling to trust is, is uh, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your understanding. And that takes all the onus off us, all the responsibility off us to try and, to try and make understanding, to try and make um, a reason why or why has this happened to me, why is this happening right now, what's going on, but just to lift your eyes onto the Lord and trust in him no matter what you're going through. Um, so this is a God that we trust in. And if you go to Genesis 17, 1, go on your mobile phone, go on your Bible, whatever way you can get this is, the, this is the God that we serve. So God is the great Jehovah. And it says here, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And this is the Almighty God. And Daniel said um, in, in 6, 23, My God has sent his angel. He has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt him. For as much as before him innocence was found in me, and also before you, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found on him, because he believed in his God, guys. He believed in a great God who could shut the lion's, the lion's mouths. So from these verses we could see that God is almighty and that all things are in his hands. Only if we absolutely believe in God's omnipotence and dominion are we, are we able to truly depend on him. So I would say the surest way to live confidently is to have confidence in a God 
and only him. And the problem with that is, in today's society, with cultures and religion, we sometimes or often or mostly do believe in God, but not that he is a big God. Not that he's a huge God, or he's an, an almighty God. We believe that God's there, but we put him into a wee box now and we go, right, well, he can do this and he can, maybe he can do that, but he certainly can't do this. Um, we believe in God, but as to applying his power, his might, his love and his greatness to our lives, we just aren't sold an idea that it will work. So we've reduced God down to being practically a non-entity in our day-to-day -day lives. And this is from the book, I'm going to reference the book, um, The Confidence. So if you have a little God, in the very nature of the case, you're going to get little spiritual results and little any kind of results. And with this little God, the problems common to all humanity can be counted on to gang up on you. But contrary, if you think of a big God, an almighty God, if you pray to a big God, if you act like there is a big God, you will grow big spiritually and every other way and big results will accrue. I was speaking to Tim this morning at the front door. I want to go eat my drink here. And Tim was saying he was going over to England on Saturday. Uh, next Saturday? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to pray about that, Tim, just, to, just at the end, if that's right, because that's good, man. That's a good thing to... To mention he's going over to bring his dad if you don't mind me mentioning it to a church a new church has opened up where is it sorry london. in london a new church and his father hasn't been to church for for quite a while and tim's believing that he is doing as god's asking to do, to bring him to church and the holy spirit will ward the seat the holy spirit will will bring the big result and you mentioned the word i was going right this is this is god this is god sent me here to, to say this but a big result he, he used the words big result. And that's what we've got to believe in, guys. We've got to believe that God can bring big results. Not just tiny results or small results whenever we need them, but big results. Big results. Yeah. So I've seen a trustworthy equation on, on, a, on Google looking through stuff, and it was just what you talking about faith, Linda. Um, a little faith plus a big God equals huge, huge results. This seems kind of weird or unusual to think of God in that way, but we are in good company, I assure you, for this is the way the Bible talks about him. So in Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, um, Philippians 4.13 said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm just going to go to that and read 13 to 19. Anybody got the word open in Philippines 4? Because they could read it. Um, from verse 10 to 18 if you would like. Nice, do you want to read it or yeah. something else? Yeah. Verse 10 to 18. 10 to 18, yes please, yeah. How grateful am I, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but for a while you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily whenever I have much or little. 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength I need. But even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. And as you know, you Philippians have only one, are the only ones who have given me financial help when I brought you the good news and then travelled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonia, you sent me help there once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. What I want is for you to receive a well-earned reward because of your kindness. Mm -hmm. And that, at the moment I have, all, sorry, at the moment I have all I need, more than I need. Mm -hmm. I am generously supplied with the gifts you have sent me with Sammy Joe, because I can't read that out. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that mm -hmm. are acceptable to God and pleases Him. Amen. Amen. That's excellent. So that was Paul in difficulty. And 19 says, My God, this is from the message, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I love the way he says, My God. My God is like a personal father, a friend. He's his personal everything. And that just that doesn't mean like maybe food or or maybe a spiritual need or something. That means everything, not just spiritual, but physical, mental, emotional, material needs. He will supply everything, absolutely everything, guys. Thanks, Nigel. So I'm just going to read a small bit from, from uh, this book here. Yes, so mankind affirms the greatness of God and we affirm the greatness of God with our confidence. We have a big God and if we live up to a big God, which means generosity. Paul was talking about generosity there. Brotherhood and kindness and goodwill. This big God will make big and confident people and a big and confident society of people who know their God. They shall be strong, strengthened through Christ Jesus who sustains us. Amen. Yeah, that's, that actually just matches up with what Paul was saying to the Philippines. So here's a, here's a quick three-point formula, guys, um, on how to create a culture and a mindset of having confidence in God. And it comes from this book again saying, pray big, think big, and believe big. And you're going to be sick to the teeth of hearing big. But you know what? We're not a great people for believing big things. We believe small things in this country. We don't believe that. We're not very confident people. Um, so page 96 says, anything you can dream of and aspire to that is in the harmony with the will of God, you can obtain. That was really special. Anything you dream of and aspire to that is in the harmony with the will of God, you can obtain. It came from an old man uh, who uh, the guy um, Norman met and spent a lot of time with him. He's a businessman who earned a lot of money and gave a lot of his money away. Um, but he lived that, that three-point formula out in his life. Pray big, think big, and believe big. 
And the first one, pray big. Don't pray inconsequential or indifferent, generalized prayers, guys. They will never get a big answer from God. Daniel didn't, didn't, didn't pray small prayers. He prayed big prayers, and look how God shut the lion's mouths. Elijah didn't pray small prayers when he asked God to consume the burnt offering. I, it, it, it shocked me because, he, firstly, he mocked, he mocked the other gods and how they couldn't, they couldn't light anything. But he knew whenever he had done the mocking that he had to actually turn around and go, right, now I've done the mocking, my God needs to do the, do the business. Um, so he had a great confidence. He was mocking their gods and then asked God to consume the burnt offering. He had complete he wouldn't have mocked unless he had complete confidence in God. But yet he came with a sincere, gentle request. And if you read from 1 Kings 18, 27, just read how he, how he spoke to his, to, his, to his God before. First Kings 18, verse 27. So it was noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy. Or he is on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried out aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sayers of seed. Is that correct? And he put the wood in order cut the bull in pieces and laid it in the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second and did it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time and did it a third time. This is complete confidence, guys. If you actually read that and you think, do we come to God with that complete confidence? Because I know I feel God in not coming and expecting something big. So the water ran all around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. And this is key for me guys reading uh, Elijah and how Jesus spoke to his father as well about Lazarus. Uh, he says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may, th may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kesson and executed them there. And that um, was complete, and I mean complete confidence um, 
in who his God was. And then we read from John eleven forty one. And this is, the, this is the same tone that Jesus took with God as Elijah took with God. Um, I'll just read it here. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he said, said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, come out, bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. So it was the same tone, it was the same tone as Elijah, our Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I, all, I thank you that you always hear me. Um, so it's coming to God with a confidence, but with a sincerity. And then when Linda mentioned about <clears throat> Jesus telling the disciples to pray and fast, Mark 9, 29 says uh, that he asked, or the, the, the child was possessed and Jesus came along and the demons were, were cast out of the child and the disciples came after and asked him, you know, how did you do this? We, we, we tried this but it didn't work. And Jesus replied going, this can only be done with prayer and fasting. And that's massive. That's absolutely key. Um, so there's a story in here which is amazing. If you just don't mind, I am 21 minutes. That's serious. <laughs> so it's, it's a story from the guideposts um, about a missionary's wife. Guidepost must be an American magazine or American book or something that you can read. But So picture the scene. The city of Shenku in central China, Henan province. It was at the time of the Japanese invasion of China during World War II. The Japanese were approaching this city they were very, very near, only two or three days away. The Chinese colonial came to the mission compound and told the pastor's wife that she had better leave as she had received orders not to defend the city against the Japanese. The pastor, a medical missionary, had been taken to the hospital himself ill. He was 115 miles away and would not be back for perhaps a month. His wife was by herself with a baby girl two months old and a son just over one year. There began an exodus from the city. The elders of the church came and invited her to go with them to their villages. They were very kind and gracious people, but she had two babies and she knew that the village homes of these people were vermin infested and full of germs. Western babies lacked the necessity of this necessary immunity. There have been many deaths among missionaries' children exposed to conditions in the village. Therefore, this missionary's wife was afraid to take her babies into those houses. So she remained in the city alone, one American woman with two babies. The gatekeeper, her last protection, came and said that he too must leave. The poor woman was filled with fear, alone, unprotected, in bitter January weather, with the enemy approaching. She went to the kitchen sink to fix a bottle for the baby. Her hands were cold. She shook so from fear that the bottle almost fell from her hands. Then she saw above the sink of the Bible text calendar. It was January 16, 1941. And beneath the date she read these words from Psalm 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. She was astonished, but strangely comforted. All that night she kept her two little ones huddled close to her to keep them warm. She lay awake, 
Listen to the wind rattle the paper window panes and the bamboo frames, praying to God, praying to God, who all the time she was afraid would be with her. It was noon before she remembered to pull the page of the little daily calendar. The tenth verse of the ninth psalm read, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. As she bowed her head over her noonday meal, she thanked God for those particular words at that moment. When the following morning came, she realised that she was without food. All the stores were empty or closed, for there was no food coming in from the countryside. All she had were the goats, but she did not know how to milk them. Once again, fear clutched at her throat. How would she feed these children? She pulled off the calendar page from January 17, and believe it or not, on the date of January 18, were these words, I will nourish you and your little ones. Genesis 50, 21. This modernly trained woman, schooled in the new thinking, asked herself, is this only a coincidence? There was a rap at the door. It was a little Chinese woman, Mrs. Lee, a long-time neighbour. She knew you would be hungry. You'd find that funny, Aaron. She knew you would be hungry, she said, and you didn't know how to milk the goats, so I have milked your goats. Here is the milk for your children. Presently, another little woman came holding a live chicken by the legs and also carrying some eggs. Once again, the pastor's wife looked at the words, I will nourish you and your little ones. That night, her heart was full of hope. To the sound of shells bursting in the sky, she prayed that somehow God would spare the city and the gentle people whom these missionaries loved. She prayed that somehow God. The next morning, she rushed to the little square of paper hanging on the nail and tore off the page. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Psalm 56, 9. This time it seemed too much to believe. Surely a verse chosen by chance for an English calendar couldn't be taken literally. And another fear clutched her. The Japanese army, what would they do with one lone defenceless woman? She went through her husband's papers, destroying any that might be construed to incriminate her. She could hear the sound of gunfire coming closer and closer. She went to sleep that night fully dressed, prepared at any time to meet the Japanese invaders. She awoke in the early dawn, expecting to hear rough sho shoes in the gravel, marching troops, but instead there was a deep quietness. She cautiously went to the gate and watched as the streets began to fill, not with Japanese soldiers, but with townspeople coming back into the city. The colonel reappeared and said to her, we don't understand it. The Japanese were headed for the city. They were going to take it, and suddenly they turned aside. We didn't defeat them, they just went another way and left us unoccupied. Now you can try to explain this, handle it on an intellectual basis. Um, I could do that too. I could rip it all to pieces as just pure coincidence. But when you come right down to it, what is the coincidence? It is an act of God in the midst of time. So right this minute, the supernatural power of the infinite surrounds our thinking. This generation has actually had the audacity to dispense with the infinite. They have tried to make God just a nice little God who cannot act outside of our rules. What a pretty little God they have tried to make of a great God of all eternity. Some people have erased him so far in their minds that, he, that they say he is dead. What this country, what this world needs is an emphasis on the power and the might of the eternal and everlasting supernatural God who can be reached through big prayer. So yeah, that was, a, that was a story of a Chinese woman who, who obviously um, knew God and prayed to God and trusted God and God delivered. So that's the prayer. Think big. Now, as I mentioned, 
We're a people on this island of Ireland, and I'm not going to say we're all Irish because that would not be politically correct. I'm Irish, some people are British, doesn't matter. But the fact is, we lack enthusiasm. And the reason why I know that is because I struggle with this. If I sit in a cafe or a restaurant or in a public place and nothing against them whatsoever, but there's a family of Americans sitting next to me, right? I find it very hard to listen to them because they are absolutely full of enthusiasm. They live and breathe enthusiasm. They live big lives. They believe in big things. They run after big things. And yet we are here on this island and we're living small lives and we believe we're not good enough and we believe we can only get this and we believe we can get that. And there's a comedian who is going to remain on nameless. I could mention his name. But he made, a good, he made a good joke about it one day where he was in a taxi in Los Angeles and the taxi driver was basically going on about, um, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to be a millionaire. And he kept going on this millionaire thing and Tommy was sitting in the back seat and he was going, Right, yeah, whatever. Yeah, get on with it. Just give me, bring me, bring me to wherever you're going to bring me and drop me off. Um, and uh, he turned around to the taxi driver after about five minutes listening to this and says, what happens if you're just talking crap? <laughs> That's what he said to him. And the taxi driver kicked him out. <laughs> he, didn't, he couldn't handle this toxic enthusiasm because we don't look at enthusiasm in the right way. We look at it going, you're being, you're being too big. You're thinking too big. Um, and I think we need to change our mindset in a Christian mindset, guys. I think we need to think bigger and better of ourselves through Christ. We can't do nothing um, except through Christ. But we must think bigger. I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest fault of that. I, I talk so much down and believe that I can't do this and I can't do that and we can't do this and we can't do that, but we can do everything through Christ. So, yeah, Christians should be absolutely bulging, bulging with enthusiasm through Christ. So I'm just going to go back and read something from, uh, from this book here. Hoping that boring you. Yes, so Lord Chesterfield had a quote saying, Think great thoughts. You will never go higher than you think. How high do you want to go? If you only think to the rooftop, that is as far as you will go. But you can think your way... A limit will be to the stars and what you think will be. If you think little, you will get a little result. In the very nature of the case, if you think big, you will get a big result. What you are now is what you have been thinking for a long time. And what you will be in 10 years from now depends on what you think from now on. If you want a great life in the future, think great thoughts. And I think that's so true. I think if we look back on our lives... Um, Normally, we, be, we, we become who we think we are or who we think we will be. Um, we need to make sure we're not a liability to our own lives, guys. Um, we need to make sure we don't limit ourselves or limit who we could be through Christ. Uh, just quickly read. Yeah, are you an asset or a liability to yourself? Are you helping yourself to live a creative, good life? Or are, you, or are you constantly hampering yourself, getting in your own way? This is a very serious question because people often are to use the old phrase, their own worst enemies. If you stop to count how many times in your life you have frustrated yourself, it would give food for thought. How many times have you defeated yourself, tripped yourself up? If anybody else did to you what you do to yourself, 
you would consider him your worst, most implacable, most vicious enemy. Our problem isn't anybody else primarily, our problem is ourselves. And James Barry said, what really plays the dickens with us is something in ourselves. And Shakespeare wrote, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars but in ourselves that we are underlings. Have you ever asked yourself just what in the world is wrong with me anyway? Well, if you haven't, I can tell you that I have. And that's something certainly that I have asked, going, what is wrong with me? Um, and John 5, 5 to 8 talks about the leper, if I'm right. Quickly go here. Yeah, so the man healed the pool of Bethsaida. Um, and now a certain, verse 5, so John 5, verse 5 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And very much so, I believe Jesus asked him that because he was asking him a direct question, Do you actually want to be made well? Um, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up but while I am coming another steps down before me. So this, this well was well renowned for, um, there was movement, um, angels moving, and if, it, if the water was unsettled at a certain time, and you happened to be in the, in the well at that time, you would get healed from any of your infirmities. Um, and this was Jesus was asking them, you know, do you, do you want, because you've been here 38 years, and he's sort of thinking, you know, how often have you had an opportunity to drop into that well? And he was known as the, the, he was almost like the legend of the well. He was there for so long that everybody knew him. Everybody who ever came by the well, seen him there for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, do you actually want to get well? Um, so Jesus said to him, rise and take up your bed and walk. And, then, and immediately the man was made well. So we, we need to make sure, guys, that we're not a liability to ourselves. Um, we need to think bigger. Think bigger. And finally, quickly, believe bigger. Mark 9, 23. Um, Mark 9, 23, yeah, I'll go quickly here if you want to follow. So this is again the story of the, the Jesus healing the boy from, uh, from the... the the spirits, evil spirits. And what he said to the man was, Jesus said to him, if you can believe. So if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So he asked that man a question as well. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It takes a decision from within ourselves to think big, not just to live out um, a depressing life or blame all of, all of our conditions and situations on other people. We have a responsibility, guys, to think correctly, knowing who we are in Christ. Do we really believe in God who can fulfill our needs today? That in itself serves a question to be answered within us as Christians in the West. What do we think we need and what do we actually need to live on um, on this earth? And something Linda mentioned about you know, going, without, going without money to pay for bills. There's nothing quite like that will get you into a place in prayer. Whenever you're facing um, a month where you're not, you don't have enough money to buy food, you don't have enough money to to pay for the uniform for the schools or the kids going back to school, all those things that we can hit. 
There's nothing quite like that will drive you in your knees in prayer. <coughs> so we just read there from Paul was content in Philippines 4, 10 to 14. Paul was content with his little. He had very little. And he was content with that. He learned to, to be content with either much or little while he was in prison. So we serve a God who made the heavens and the earth. And I love whenever the new year comes, guys, and a lot of us Christians will start from the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning, the very first book of the very first chapter of the very first verse. And I want you to go there, and if you have any ink, any way of, I don't care how you mark that verse, but I want you to mark it. I would love if you just could mark it on your Bible or put a note on it. Because we can scan over this very quickly and go, right, I've got three chapters to read in the first day um, of my Bible plan for the year. But this first verse just, just speaks of who God is. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we just stop for a second and not just think of that as another verse in the Bible or the very first verse, if we actually think God made the heavens and the earth. It has to be one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. And it being the very first verse has, has to be something. So no little God did that because this is a tremendous earth and this is a tremendous solar system and he made it all. Absolutely no doubt about that. So to finish... I had to laugh that night we had the praise. David mentioned it last week. We had that praise and, the, and worship night whenever uh, there was a whole lot of guys came in from, from the different churches and that, that pastor from, from South Africa. And this place was, was in a special, special place. The Holy Spirit was thick and the worship was pure. And in the middle of raising a hallelujah, um, I was in the cajon and David was here. And there was just a moment where he had just thought, right, I'm going to speak to the enemy for a second. And he just spoke down the ground. Did you hear that? <laughs> and it scared me because I'd never seen that in Spence before. I thought, whoa, <laughs> a bit over the top here. But you know what? That's a verse there. You can start reading the Bible from the very first verse, the very first chapter, the very first book and go, did you hear that? Listen to me, enemy, because this is the God we serve who made the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth. So finally, we must come with a sincere heart, guys. That's something God asked us to do. Um, I'll just read quickly from Hebrews. You don't need to follow me here because I know I'm well over my time. Hebrews 10. Uh, let me see, where is it? Hold fast your confession. Therefore, um, 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrates for us, through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And that just, that just speaks to me because God asked us to come with a sincere heart, a true heart, not half-hearted um, with a whole lot of requests going, can you help me whenever I'm struggling? Can you help me? God wants us to be sincere with him and God knows when we have sincere hearts towards him. If we as people can see at times when people are not sincere, then how much more is God able to see the true state of our hearts? 
So we need to come, we need to come with a sincere heart. Do we fit God around our busy schedule or do we fit our busy schedule around God? I was away yesterday at, a, at an event, Eugene Smith, who, who is uh, the founder of the Dwelling Place Church in Ballymena, and uh, the teaching was unbelievable. But one thing really spoke to me, that, that's what one thing he said, but what I said was he had a friend in the States, or Canada, States? Go to the States. An old friend in his 90s, I think he's 91 years of age. And on the prayer meeting, I think it was on Tuesday night, it's at half seven. And this old man for years um, goes at one o'clock and lies face first on the ground for six hours or six and a half hours, waiting expectantly on God and the Holy Spirit and asking God to come and speak to him and what do the people need to pray about tonight? And Eugene very clearly said that those nights that had been laid out before God over the hours and hours of prayer were the nights whenever the Holy Spirit was most, was most present, was most thick in the place. Those nights whenever nobody wanted to go home. It was like one o'clock in the morning before people started, started to pack up and go home because the place was just drenched. The Holy Spirit was leading people, guiding people. Um, and that's where we need to get to, guys. It's back to, it's back to get that again about prayer. Coming to God with a sincere heart um, in prayer. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable what God can do through prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, um, cheerfully expectant, hopeful, and don't quit on hard times, pray all the harder. So maybe you don't get results. Maybe the results don't go your way. But God's going to work it out for your good. If you're a young child or you're a teenager in school and you're getting bullied by people, which I have experienced the horrible past, God might not answer your prayers right there and right then. He might. But whatever happens, whenever you pray to God and you trust him in that, he will turn it for, his good, for your good, for his good, but ultimately be for your good. And what you, what you mightn't get an answer for prayer now God will make you stronger in the future and he'll be able to bless people around you. And if you're an adult and you're living a life where people have hurt you, people have left you, people have let you down, that's not God's plan. God wouldn't, wouldn't want anyone to get hurt, wouldn't want anyone to be let down. We serve a Father who loves us and loves us to the finest details. And if people have let you down in life, you come and pray to God, you get on your knees and come with a sincere heart to God and ask him to bring you through it. And he'll bring you through it stronger than you could ever believe. Ever believe. I've no doubt everyone here this morning are going through trials and situations and just troubles in your lives that, that you know, I couldn't understand. None of us can understand. But you know who can understand? Absolutely the Father. The God, the God that we serve can understand exactly what we go through. Exactly what we can go through. And he will take us through. So would you like to play that, that song? Um, Stefan, please, just to finish. I'm sorry, guys. I did not have a clue that would have went on as long. But I just want, to, want you to, to focus on the lyrics of this song. And then